Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here we are, here we are. Welcome to the Creep Dive main episode. I'm Cassie Delaney. Ooh. I'm Ooh. Jen O-D-W-Y-E-R. I am Sophie Voice Talent We haven't done that, I'd say, in a year. Years, years like. Uh, we are a podcast about strange and weird happenings and bad people in some cases and also in other cases, heroes. Yes. Aren't we? Yeah. We're like lighter on the heroes, I have to say. I mean, I think we could probably name them Larry. 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 Oh, God, that reminds me it. of another type of... Let me just... This has to have come up with us before. And it was... When was it? God damn it. It was last week. Someone got in touch and was like, there has to be a way you guys have mentioned the balloon priest. Oh, it's not ringing any bells. That <laughs> rarely means anything, though. Yeah, are you serious? Yeah. We haven't done it. No, I mean, no, I don't think so. Okay, we're not, we're not the right people to ask. Let me—it's—it's it's a quick one, right? And I'll just start us off. Okay. God love him. This happened way back, and the fact that this didn't come up at all is remarkable because it's another Larry, lawn chair Larry, our our king, Father Larry. This is Reverend Antonio Di Carli. He, the year was 2008. Breaking Great year. News. He took off. It wasn't really. It was actually it was notably a, bad year. Yeah, it was yeah. tough. It was Fucking a tough hell. year, even tougher for Antonio, who was trying to do an act of great kindness with a great deal of excitement and helium. <laughs> so he, one sunny April, took off from the coastal city of a place in southern Brazil. Okay. <laughs> Buoyed up by 1,000 helium-filled balloons. Southern Brazil is still a pretty massive place. He was wearing... 1,000. 1,000. 1,000. Doesn't oh, seem like amazing. that much, does it? Yeah, I would say that's sufficient. How big are the balloons? Are they uh, the weather balloons or are they no, just no. regular balloons? They're bigger than normal-sized balloons. I'm going to say four or five times bigger. Okay. So actually, visually, it looks like enough. He was, he took some precautions in that he was wearing a helmet. He was wearing also an aluminum thermal flight suit. He was wearing some weatherproof layers. Uh, He actually had a parachute, clever boy. And he was attempting to break the 19 hour record of human flight by party balloons. Okay. So specific. He, uh, you got to get specific when you're trying to break records. You do. He was a man of God, so he had God on his side. A podcasting record. There is. We've looked this up before for like a never-ending live podcast. Oh, good Lord. We should do it. it. I, I mean, we've definitely got to be in the running if we've run all our shit together. However, big crowd gathered. 
everybody loved this reverend and he was very supported and this was all in aid of raising a bunch of money to finance a spiritual rest stop for truckers in this Brazilian town. <laughs> give us the town. Which is the country's primary grain port. The, I'm going to give it a whirl now. Para Nuega. Oh yeah, okay. All right, let's give it a whirl. So eight hours after takeoff, Antonio was reported missing after he lost contact with authorities. Uh, I believe that to mean they could no longer see him. And his walkie-talkie stopped working. That and also that, yes. So uh, a fire, the fire brigade were called and Johnny, a fire commander, told the national TV channel, given his physical condition and the equipment he was carrying... Things aren't looking good. On the contrary. He said, I would say there's an 80% chance that he's still alive. So... Johnny said the priest could be floating somewhere in the ocean or he may have found refuge on a remote beach or in a coastal forest. He was carrying enough cereal bars. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, <laughs> and water. Primary school. <laughs> to sustain him for five days. Is this going to turn into so what is that? Like 15 girl falling cereal out of the bars? <laughs> he just had pockets full of dust. Nutri. <laughs> Nutri bars. For for the love of God, I hope it wasn't those deliciously aloe ones. They <laughs> are crap. Absolute joy. So anyway, look, the fire chief has said, look, there's a very good chance because of the cereal bars and a couple of bottles of water that he could survive for five days. And he also had a GPS service. Um, he had a satellite phone and he had a buoyant chair. So he had a satellite phone. Yeah. So like, if he's not making any contact well like, time was a taken by and the yeah. newspapers were beginning to become less and less optimistic um so here we have a reporter quoted as saying what we're hearing now is that he did not know in fact how to use the equipment he didn't um, know how to use the gps and he oh couldn't God. work the satellite phone like before he left mother into space like oh, exactly no. Cass. what Why they've done they there do is send someone's granddad up into space Without giving him any sort of, do you know what? They probably had gone through the chain, training with the GPS and the satellite phone, but it hit a wall and said, look, we've got a window of opportunity weather-wise here, Reverend. We'll just, we'll wrap you'll up. be Grant. Um, so she said that when the Rev had... No YouTube tutorials. <laughs> so she said that while the Rev had intended to drift inland, weather conditions had forced him out over the deep blue ocean. Oh God, this and a little while later, authorities found his buoyant chair. Uh, empty. Empty. Meanwhile, a flight instructor... And that was just floating in the ocean, was it? It was floating alone in the ocean. But they were like, oh. look, it could have dislodged from his arse midway through the flight. He could still be somewhere else. Um, there was a little bit of criticism for the flight. Like, they had engaged all the rescue services now at this point, And one of a the pilots who had taken off part of the search and rescue squad said he called him he was he called him undisciplined and an exhibitionist he said the reverend was always bragging about his faith <laughs> and how his excuse me fate was going to carry him and take him safely through his journey jesus that didn't age well did it and that is sadly not what happened uh so this was in fact this reverend's second balloon journey and he had been successful before on a four hour voyage from the Brazilian town of Ampere to Argentina, which had happened that same year, 2008, in January. Sadly, then, his. It's <laughs> <laughs> not funny, obviously. Um, so, sometime later. <laughs> I wish people could see the face Jen's doing right now. The she nice. goes inside herself slightly when she's trying not to laugh at the horrifying end of another human being. It is the case. After several hours, the body of the Brazilian priest floated, was found floating out over the ocean, somewhat suspended. Oh, whoa. By creepy. kind of half deflated helium balloon. Oh, oh creepy. God, that is so tragic. It's Jen's so tra tragic. Look at Jen, look at her. The look corpse. At her. She's doing her special face stretching thing when she's trying not to let the laugh out. I'm not laughing. It is sad. She's trying not to be glib. And 
It is sad. I'm reading, like, I'm having a, sorry, I'm in some reports he's called a reverend, in others he's called a father. I can't be sure about which religion he is. He's a man of God anyway. He was spotted by a tugboat at sea near the city of Mackay. Does tugboat always make you think of, you know, wanking? Yeah. yeah. So he he's dead. Okay. Is that the end of the story? Yeah. <laughs> That's the end of him. I don't even know if there's a lesson to be learned. If he was slightly suspended still. There is mixed reports now on whether his body was washed up. There's some reports saying the tugboat had found half deflated balloons. I have another report here saying it was three months later, (gasps) in fact, that he was found. Well, the balloons would not have been still inflated. I don't know, Cass. I'd say there could have been some inflation still left after three months. Um, It was a failed stunt. And... Some of his friends will remember him as a man of God. Others will say he's an exhibitionist whose fate in the end led him to his own death. And God is not real. (laughs) You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. Okay, I also have another space story um, to give us. Okay, great. I don't have to give that to us immediately. We can let someone else. So <laughs> speak. Well, I don't. I'm not. I just blew my load too much on the hive. So I'm going to. You sit there. Well, it. I'm in the same area uh, as you in terms of aviation and ocean. Oh, great. Aviation. Aviation. Do you want it? Always. Do you want it? Like, give it to you. Stick it in me. <laughs> Tugboat. Like, it's just. The it's I, a boat for masturbating it is. on. They're the just chugging around on the old tugboat. Rosie and Jim. Tugging. Uh, okay. Um. So I'm going to tell you about the disappearance of Malaysian flight. Yes. Fuck yes. I can't believe we've never done this before. Remarkable. I, too can't believe wait for it. time to pass. Well. Oh, was that it? Do you it think? Is, it? Maybe so. It may be so. Okay. So. Has enough time passed? I don't know. It's 10 years next March. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Wow. I know time is an, a, a kind of, you life know, moves an illusion. Life pace. It comes at you fast, as they say, really does. on the internet. Um, okay, so uh, Malaysian flight uh, uh, 370 um, disappeared on the 8th of March 2014. I hope I haven't immediately given the wrong information there. Actually, I said 8th of March with a confidence that I now no longer feel. Um, I'm pretty sure it was the 8th. And it uh, took with it, when it disappeared, when it vanished, 239 passengers and crew. And um, it has never been seen again. Hmm. And uh, Malaysia, China and Australia mounted an enormous coordinated search for the plane that lasted three years, covered 120,000 square kilometers. Wow. That is an inconceivable number of meads. We could never imagine. The search cost 160 million. So I'm closing my eyes a lot because I'm trying to recall figures and I'm not very good at numbers. 100? That's still... How many people were on board? To, to date, the most expensive search and rescue of all time. Um, 239 people on board. Wow. They have to have flown into a different dimension. I mean, 100%, clearly. Clearly. They went through some sort of time-space continuum and disappeared. Okay. So, I will say that they have found traces of the wreckage mm. since then. So, the first piece of wreckage was found uh, on an island called Reunion off the coast of Madagascar. Terrible. And that piece, uh, I'm pretty sure it was a flapper on. I now know what a flapper on is. Basically, six foot chunk of a plane. It was Ooh. found to belong to um, Malaysian Flight 370. And that was found about 18 months after the disappearance. So that was the very first, first thing, thing of like a giant 777 Boeing jet. Like what, up what? until then had disappeared without a single trace. Where was this flight going to and from? Okay, so I'll talk you through it. It started out as a completely standard red eye flight from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. So that meant that a vast majority of the passengers aboard the plane were um, Chinese and headed home. Uh, there was also passengers from a uh, few from Malaysia where they were taken off. 
Indonesia, Australia, India, France, a couple of Americans, two Iranians, Ukraine, Canada, New Zealand, and the Netherlands and Russia and Taiwan were also like represented among the um, among the, the passengers manifesto, the passenger manifesto. No Irish. Whoa. No Irish. And um, no Brits. But the British did help. Uh, the they search and rescue stuff was like a massive global coordinated thing. Like yeah. the US were involved and um, the Brits, loads of private uh, citizens became completely consumed by this story. And like private citizens spent hours and hours and hours of time like examining satellite photos in minute detail, trying to like find some remnant of the, the crash in the months after. Aviation enthusiasts. Where exactly did you say? So Kuala Lumpur, was t- it took off from heading to? Beijing. Beijing. So as I said, it was a red eye flight. So it took off at uh, 22, 1 a.m., in the morning so picture put yourself on the flight yeah packed out time flight 200 over 200 passengers crew everywhere um it took off about six minutes behind schedule which as we all know that's pretty unremarkable um all the tracking systems were working as um it took off um it sent its first um or sorry half an hour after takeoff um one of the plane's communication systems sent what turned out to be its last transmission. And so this was an automated communication okay. system. No uh, words. Not, yeah. And apparently it was totally standard. There was nothing unusual about the transmission. It showed that the plane was like on a normal route and um, heading to Beijing um, I just want to, I want to say that they're flying over. I have the map the, up here. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. It's like bar the Gulf of Thailand. This is a flight over It's going land, over, basically. Yeah, yeah. They're heading to Vietnam at first. Yeah. Um, that's kind of their direction. How the fuck it ends up where, well, that piece of the plane ended up there? Well, we'll t- I'll tell you. I'll so certainly mental. tell you. So okay, th- yeah. This so is why it all presumably was so fucked up because it disappeared out of the sky over land. No reports of crashed plane. Um, well, no, it didn't disappear out of the sky over land. It disappeared. I'll t- I'll, oh, yeah, go I'll on. I'll tell you. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> just, just give me a sec here. So if you're looking at um, a map, and I recommend you do. Um, if you see Malaysia there, yes. and kind of northeast is headed towards Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, they're heading towards um, Cambodian and Vietnamese airspace. Yes. Um, and so basically diff- all the different like portions of the world are different airspace jurisdictions. And what they do, so it took off and was in Malaysian airspace. Mm-hmm. And then what they do is they track these flights and they do handovers as they're crossing into new jurisdictions. Um, and that basically means that at all times, every single plane that is in the sky all over the world is being tracked. Okay. And it, there is just never not a plane mm-hmm. being tracked. And if there is, it's like extremely out of the ordinary like it's a UFO. presumably there's probably some kind of like special ops aircraft yeah. that you know who knows but a commercial jet everyone knows where it is at all times that is completely essential and so um there is a um it's a communication system called ACARS and it's an aircraft communications addressing and reporting system. And it's on board. It's a computer on board that collects information, tons of information about the aircraft and the pilot performance. And it's basically like in a car, the way it, the computer that like tracks oil levels and engine performance and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's kind of telling you what's going on in the workings of the plane at all times. And it measures like thousands of data points and sends the information back to the airline that owns the plane mm-hmm. via satellite. So kind of there's a bit of getting in the weeds here because there's a lot of different ways that they eventually were able to plot out what happened to this plane after it disappeared off radar. Um, so um, at 20 past one, so now we're kind of 40 minutes into the flight, mm-hmm. there's a voice check, voice check-in. So the pilots on Malaysia flight... Um, 370 were a rookie 
and a long in the tooth. Gotcha. <laughs> not, not long in the tooth. Senior. Very mm-hmm. senior. So we had Farik Ahmed and he was 27 years old and he was the kind of co-pilot and he this was his last flight his last training flight before he was going to be fully certified mm-hmm. to fly commercial planes. And then the pilot in command was Zahari Ahmed Shah and he was 53 and apparently one of the most senior and respected pilots that Malaysia Airlines had. Um, as I said, there was 10 flight attendants and um, two, yeah, 227 passengers. And um, so at the 20 past 1 a.m. mark, um, they were approaching the uh, boundary of Malaysian airspace mm. and so Malaysian air traffic control radioed to pass the flight off to Ho Chi Minh mm-hmm. and when that happened Zahari basically gave a um, verbal message of all right good night um, to the Malaysian uh, aviation officer mm-hmm. okay so I've seen two different things said about this um, all right good night business so one source that I was reading said the phrase good night is the radio parlance parlance used by pilots when executing a handover from one, one airspace to another and that and that is totally normal and apparently mm. like and a completely uh, not unusual thing but then I saw another um, piece saying that it was a strange phrase to use okay um for the pilot and that like so people reading into this already okay. I guess is kind of what's going on what he didn't say was we've got a problem no absolutely not and um as we said on the map he's like heading over the kind of Gulf of Thailand yes so he's heading across that stretch of water towards Ho Chi Minh City and oh. um so the next thing after his um voice check-in um the transponder on the plane just stops communicating and that was like two minutes after he said all right good night is that something he would control or automatic um it would be something that would be could be turned off okay so god i said that very confidently i think it is so the transponder is important for the radar so there's like two levels of radar. So there's the main level of radar that we would be thinking of, like thinking of a dot moving on a screen. Beep, beep, mm. beep. And so the transponder is what um, impacts that. It sends electronic messages or squawks to radar systems. And that, that squawk contains information about what flight this is, what altitude, what speed it's traveling. So it's essential for air traffic controllers who are looking at all these little blips all over the world moving around uh, and uh, planes are identifying themselves so the transponder is off and that means that the plane is like flying blind from the ground's point of view and um if there is radar the radar might see the blip of the actual moving object that is the plane but they won't know who it is or where they're going because the plane isn't doing its transponder squawky thing mm-hmm. and so the turning off of the transponder is a simple flick of a switch in the cockpit and um the air traffic controller should notice immediately because it would cause a lot of fucking alarm yeah. if you've just been handed a yeah. plane over from another airspace jurisdiction and it's disappeared and it's disappeared um so did it the um it disappeared from thai military radar at 20 past one in the morning did it cause alarm um sorry did it cause an alarm no not yet Mm. so as far as the malaysians are concerned they'd passed the airplane across to the taiwanese great yeah and then so like about six minutes after the plane disappeared from radar um thai radar does pick up an unknown aircraft um, that is flying now in a direction opposite <gasps> to what yeah. Flight 370 had been traveling. Towards where? Back towards Malaysia? Yes. Um, it basically like takes a really, really sharp left and seems to almost double back on where it was going oh. to. Oh, weird. And so... Would you as a... You presumably as a passenger on that plane feel, feel oh, oh yeah, yeah yeah absolutely but oh. now I mean also as a passenger on a plane you're just like well they are on it they know what they're doing obviously I don't know what they're doing so yeah um it um sorry so but yeah so the Taiwanese as far as I can gather didn't pick up 
initially on the fact that they didn't have eyes on MH370. Okay. And so they're supposed to, within like five minutes of not having tracking yeah. on something, they're supposed to raise the alarm. But somehow about 20 minutes elapsed. Okay. And that was like really... Staff handover. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's because in the aftermath and the investigation of this whole thing you basically had a whole lot of different kind of like institutions and government bodies not wanting the fucking yeah blame. didn't want to touch it yeah yeah, yeah. okay um so there is uh so after the taiwanese didn't kind of uh raise the alarm about the plane not uh, being visible in their airspace because the plane had started to travel essentially nearly back the way it had come was slightly pointing north of where it had come but anyway malaysian military and civilian radar began tracking the plane as it turned around because it returned into their airspace yeah but they didn't know who it was no but, but it was it identified was, as the plane or was it an unidentified it was unidentified um but it uh, sorry. Yeah, see, basically, they were still scrambling on the ground to even know that something was happening yet. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? Um, and so um, at 20 to 2 a.m., so like an mm-hmm. hour into the whole flight, the, um, you remember we were talking about the ACARS, the basically the, yeah. the kind of computer mind inside the plane that sends out a squawk with all the information on how it's getting on. Um, it was supposed to transmit its little like half hourly squawk mm-hmm. and um, it didn't, doesn't happen. And so this is very signi- significant because basically to turn off the ACARS, it, it takes a lot of expertise and if a flight were hijacked, um, cutting off the ACARs would be like probably the first move. Yeah. Um, because... Like a cloak of invisibility. Exactly, because it stops the system reporting to satellites anything that's happening on the airplane, including like happening in terms of the actual control of the plane. Would that, some, would that be something a pilot could do? Yeah, I'm sure 100%. Um, so... By then, even though... So it's like quarter past two in the morning now at this point, And... Um, they're now all starting to zero in on this fucking plane is not where it's supposed to be. Okay. Where the fuck is it? And so it had um, no longer on radar, but there is another type of radar, the military radar. So as we were saying, the Malaysian Air Force military radar tracked the plane as it uh, was passing over this small island um, that's just kind of, uh, I'm like, left of Kuala Lumpur. It's north, where is it? It's up here now. It's north of Malaysia and kind of west. Is it in the Gulf of Thailand? No, it's the other side of that tongue of land. Um, sorry. Anyway, take, take my word for it. It's passing over an island of okay. Pulu Perak in the Strait of Malacca and... At this point, it is hundreds of miles off its course. It's like back on the other side of the Malaysian Peninsula. So the other side of Thailand. It's fucking way off course. And um, so military um, radar were tracking it. And so people were now... Uh, the military were handing over all their raw radar data to US and British officials um, because... They just were scrambling uh, to get answers, to try and find where these people were going to be. And um, so at, um, sorry, fucking hell. So yeah, this whole period of time from like 20 to 3 to till about 20 to 4, there's just this like complete blackout on information. They just have no idea where it's gone. And um so they issued a code red at 20 to 4, which is like hours after like this whole thing has started to unfold. Mm. Like it's hours after the plane never crossed into Thai airspace. And um, so a code red, obviously, it declares a crisis and 
immediate deployment of emergency response plans but it took like an hour to issue the alert because it was still trying to confirm whether it was missing so it was just like incredibly chaotic and they're trying all kinds of things sending messages to the plane awaiting response everything because I guess beyond this being an incredibly bad event of hundreds of people potentially dead Mm. they are now flying blind through the sky if they're to mm. believe this thing is still in the air yeah it's becoming a major flight like risk for everyone else take fly yeah, flying yeah, in the like air where as are well. they going to crash it which yeah, is probably yeah. why you see all of these outside agencies cooperating because they would have had pl- flights in the sky as well yeah yeah and um so at 6 30 in the morning the plane should have landed in beijing and at 7 30 there is a public announcement of the disappearance so um they announced it on facebook (laughs) very fucking weird interesting yeah so um for a second now let's just go back to some some details about this kind of plane so they estimated that the plane had fuel enough for about six mm, hours of flight um before it would crash okay and run out of fuel so basically like by 7 30 when they made the announcement they knew that whatever had happened that plane was out of fuel by then so whether it landed somewhere remote or it just fucking fell out of the sky at indescribable speeds it is out of the sky out of fuel um another thing that i learned while researching this that is fucking terrifying is that okay so they had a lot of theories about like had the cabin become depressurized Mm -hmm. and everyone aboard suffered hypoxia and they were kind of like would that account for like the plane going off course if literally everyone's unconscious and then dead pilots slumped over the steering wheels yeah exactly so you know the drop down oxygen mask i I will never be okay on a plane again there's only like 10 to 15 minutes worth of oxygen in those what is the fucking point (laughs) truly it's like what falling time. Do you know the though? way they're always like, put it on yourself before your baby? I take I'd take. i be fumbling for the 10 or 15 minutes just trying to get it on myself. The, the, I'd never get it on the child. God damn it. So apparently why, like, so the pilots apparently have a little bit more oxygen than that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but basically it's the idea is if the cabin becomes depressurized, the pilot's like next plan of attack immediately is to descend mm. to an altitude where the passengers will be able to breathe, breathe in a decompressed, uh, okay. depressurized I mean, cabin. But still, I do not like that. It like, feels very it ever, rushed. It feels it very tight. Very short, yeah. Tight on time. I'm going to start bringing my own O2. Did they, they won't let decide because I will have they a were hysterical like, tantrum That's exactly insecurity. what you should do on a plane. That is exactly what will <laughs> solve that a, issue. It's like a weird question, but could they tell from where they knew the plane went mm. that it felt intentionally steered in that direction? Is that what you're sort of suggesting? Well, yes. So that was the thing. They were like, this is not a plane. They decided from tracking as far as they tracked, which was kind of north of the Malay Peninsula yeah. mm. at that point. That's where they had gotten to on military back. radar. And um, they were like, this plane is on you know it's flying like in a kind of reasonable fashion that suggests it's being controlled okay okay you know maintaining altitude keeping a course it actually even ascended to higher altitude at some point they know that it ascended to higher altitude during that time which was like unexplained but um and another question here mm. this is 2014 so we've people with phones I don't know about signal, but presumably there's Wi-Fi on the flight. Do we have any communication from anyone aboard on board? No, never. None. No. And never. None that has ever. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. ever been reported in any of the investigations And this thing place. was all over the news and we were seeing the families kind of camping out at the airport and holding oh. vigils like we yeah. would have heard about some communication last communication was that elderly pilot or older pilot yeah saying in his night. 50s saying good night elderly yeah that's it um so like i said there was mass confusion on the ground and basically this began years long living nightmare for the families who were waiting and grieving and the like disappearance like instantly from that morning transfixed the entire world and like like i said there was immediately like civilian aviation enthusiasts like diving into the kind of search and speculation of what had happened aviation experts engineers data scientists journalists hobbyists uh, like large swathes of people say in america for example started like communicating with each other sharing theories and findings yes it's like the boys trapped in the cave the the football team Yes. everyone's got a theory an idea yeah is there was there ever any one of those theories that suggested that this gigantic plane could have landed was there ever was there well, a shred of hope that somebody could have yeah, survived yeah no they totally looked into that so basically they established that there was about 600 runways in the world that could have accommodated the landing of a 777 Boeing okay and like they I mean exhaustively searched Ob- and, and asked everyone there asked, any sign any sign, any sign lads holding up a photo of a plane. and could it have landed it's so enormous it would have mm. needed a runway but it's in just, terms of crash landing somewhere as well I can't believe that they're white who's white planes oh yeah oh, I yeah. know I know yeah like, look high vis neon high vis. yellow yeah um, so, so the, like crash landing or like was there like an island above of there over the sea last we checked there okay so last the Mer- Malaysian military radar mm-hmm. had it it was over southwest so yeah southwest over the Malay Peninsula okay and then it kind of so it curved back on itself basically <sighs> and they lost contact um at 20 past two in the morning and by then it was over the uh, i'm gonna say this wrong why don't i try not to say it andaman sea i see so that. can you see the andaman sea yes. is just kind of like to the left so it was over the sea again now there are islands there yeah there absolutely is and there's the it's andaman kind of a islands. large area though that's kind of like uh bordered by um Land. like like bits of land to the east and then to the west is that one like kind of tongue of an island the andaman and nicobar islands mm. and um so then this is where i just think it gets so creepy so um after the military radar lost um sight on their instruments why would that there have was happened? They lost contact with Sorry, it. Sorry, yeah, that's right. right. Is this what you explained to us before that y- this thing would yeah, require a bit of system yes, turned off or technical ability to turn it off, mm. not just and to be intentional anyway, unless yeah. it completely combusted. Yeah, and there is some um, theories that say that like the plane must have lost power at some point and that like the kind of it, reboot of it or something. They know that it didn't like lose power and plummet to the ground right there. Okay. And um, so it might have been that in the rebooting or something. How did they it know stopped it, d- it didn't communicating with the radar? I'll tell you how they know. Mm. So this is really freaky. So um remember they're over the Andaman Sea. Yeah. And then at this point there's like a satellite above the Indian Ocean. So like just down south of them called Inmarsat and it's like a satellite that 
uh, do you know like when you have Wi-Fi on a plane and stuff like that? Yeah. That's what you're communicating with this satellite above. Um, Satellites are so funny. They're fucking amazing. And so this company in Marsat has like a basically kind of like a web of satellites all over the world, basically. And um, so they started receiving hourly signals from flight 370. What? Yeah. What type of what signals coming from this box? So it's just an automated signal thing that they call like a handshake okay so um like a ping from a telephone yeah like the it's, pingy, pingy things, so yeah. basically these orbiters high above the ocean detect the plane um as the satellite basically just like automatically tries to make an electronic connection okay and um proof that it's there anyway proof that it's there and basically that the plane didn't complete the handshakes because its communication systems were disabled and so the satellites were able to trace the plane flying below them and they would have tried to make contact um, the kind of electronic quiv- equivalent of being like, hey, <laughs> hello. But they could see that it was there. They could see that it was there and it pinged off this satellite every hour until 10 past 8 when the last handshake wasn't pinged, if you know what I mean. So 10 past 8 and it was supposed two hours, like an hour, an hour and 40 minutes after it was supposed to land. Yes, still within its and seven still hours out. after it had taken off, so it Run was out of fuel. absolutely out of fuel then you at this seven point. Seven that it was going to be out of fuel. Yeah. yeah. So ten past eight, that's the last. It's gone. That's the one that doesn't get a hit back. And so basically, through the satellite, it's very complicated the whole thing. But basically, yeah, look, they established scientists. that <laughs> we're not scientists. You didn't come here for facts, did you? Because that's wrong. <laughs> Reverse. Basically, Says they tracked it down. On the edge of their seats, waiting for the comedy. Yeah, <laughs> they tracked it down to basically the Indian Ocean. Right. Whoa. And so as you can see from the map here, it is the furthest from fucking anywhere. anywhere. You've got. Australia over to the east and you've got nothing. Look at this, guys. Nothing. Wow. South until you hit the Antarctic. Wow. So they went to the middle of nowhere. Is that the Antarctic or the Arctic? God, I'm fucking... You guys are the brunettes. Antarctic, I think. Yes, you're right. Antarctic. the map, Soph. Zoom out. Um, Yeah. So it is probably the most remote place in the world or certainly one of them. That feels intentional. It's but very fucking intense. I mean, it's intentional if you know the plane's going to crash. Yeah. So it feels at this point that one of the pilots has. Yeah. So immediately there was kind of three theories going Wait, on. I know you said that they're like, it's obvious. but One of the pilots has intended to take everyone out with himself. And overpowered the other pilot somehow. Right. The co-pilot. No, I didn't Locked get himself that. in the cockpit. And it. took him and everyone aboard to heaven. I didn't. I didn't so it is. Okay. Let's talk about the three theories for a minute before we dive totally into slandering a dead man. Um, we don't know that he's dead. One. Well, exactly. One theory that immediately started getting cooked up was that it was hijacked mm. and they immediately started like investigating every single person that was on the passenger manifest oh manifesto manifest manifest i think and they found that there was two iranian passengers traveling under false passports weird Ooh, yeah well, is it that weird well human trafficking is a huge issue yeah face on daily exactly basis. they were actually traveling um to seek refuge and yeah, okay so they were found to be, um, well, not persons of interest, but they were very interested in the idea that, yes, the plane had been taken over because things like the transponder being disabled, all, all that kind of stuff, very fucking weird. Mm. And um, so they, uh, sorry, they also had an, a passenger on the plane. So they were kind of like, who's on the plane that can do this? And obviously like Malaysian flights, did not want anyone to be like, well, your pilots would have been capable of doing this. Of course. Um, so they found that there was one passenger who worked as a flight engineer for a Swiss jet charter company. And that poor passenger was briefly under suspicion as a potential hijacker because he was thought that he would have the relevant skills. But what? Um, Intent. Oh, like, relevant skills to do things like... To do that. But no, no, no reason. transponders and then potentially fly a plane completely blind for seven hours. And like, that's the thing, like at that stage, they still had no debris anywhere. Mm. And a huge plane going down would have caused like an oil 
slick, presumably, possibly fires on the surface of the ocean. Yeah. Okay. Now, because as well, in a way, like if you think about it, they were still the satellite information from Inham, Inmerst, whatever that one's called. It wasn't coming through until kind of the next day. Oh. Like those guys were looking at the actual real time news cycle and being like, oh, my God, maybe our satellites picked up on something. And then they started gathering their data. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so that's not like part. So of it wasn't course. happening. They weren't watching in real time the plane traveling. So th- they had this like insane search area where they were like, this plane could have crashed down anywhere. The crash down site would be highly visible for a certain amount of time, but then maybe not. Yeah. Do you know? Stormy sea could yeah. have eaten it all up. And the, the vastness oh, yeah. of the area they were searching is just like inconceivable and so um release the drones well there was one company that um in the years since when they were looking for bits of the plane there was like a private u.s company that was like undertook to find it and like basically off their own backs they were from texas i think loads of money behind them and they had these underwater drones (gasps) yeah and i think they had some kind of deal where they were like we get paid if we find the plane yeah and they didn't but you know what in the search of the indian ocean that took place after all this like where they were searching for literally three years in that time they basically chartered a whole swathe of the earth that had been uncharted until then yeah uncharted yeah. And they found wreckages from like the 1800s, wow. shipwrecks and stuff. Wow. They found an underwater volcano that they just didn't know existed. That just didn't fucking know was there. That's and they used underwater drones that look like torpedoes. Crazy. Um, but were they unable were, to find this. Yeah, flight. yeah. They were combing the seabeds, like looking for this thing. And so then, um, so the hijack theory is one theory. There was another theory spooking around that the hijackers possibly took the plane to a remote island and um, no terrorist organization ever claimed responsibility and obviously as we said earlier they identified the 600 possible runways no confirmation that they ever like saw the flight landing on their runways um and then like the whole hijacking theory did kind of like get um discredited when they did start to find the first fragments mm. um mm. in July of the following year. And so there was another theory put forward by an American aviation journalist, um Jeff Wise, who said that uh, Russian operatives could have stolen um the plane um via the plane's electronic bay, which you could access by a hatch in the first class cabin, and that they may have done this to distract from the Crimean War. Um, now, this theory completely doesn't work. Okay. When you look at the satellite data that in Hermhurst, that company, I can't remember. Well, the they name were going of. the opposite to yeah. Russia. Yeah, completely yeah. opposite. And then they thought um, it was, uh, oh, yeah, Rupert Murdoch got in on the action, of course. The week following the disappearance, he took to Twitter um, and basically tweeted that this confirms jihadists turning to make trouble for China. Then he suggested that the flight might have been hidden in northern Pakistan, like bin Laden, he says. And so obviously uh, these conspiracy theories are enormously helpful. And there was other uh, Russian newspaper endorsed another theory that claimed unknown terrorists had hijacked the plane, flown it to Afghanistan and then held the crew and passengers hostage. Though part of holding people hostage is telling somebody else that you have the people to then try and get your demands met. So all of those theories just don't ring true for me. Then there is a theory that... um, a journalist for Le Monde speculated that the plane had been shot down by U.S. military mm. uh, because they wanted to prevent mysterious cargo from reaching China. And what could have been on board? Now, they posited that it had been shot down over the South China Sea. And this, again, doesn't track no. with the satellite data. Um, and But they, they, this journalist was like, this goes right to the top this is governments colluding and this whole disappearance is fabricated as part of an elaborate cover-up um and so both of those theories just don't work with regards to the satellite information and then also where debris first started washing up and um, but like all these theories like one of the um survivors of a family lost in the disappearance so this man um gislaine waitra lost i got that's the worst Gislaine Watrilos. I feel terrible because he's he's obviously a person who's tormented forever about this. He lost his wife 
and 17 year old son and 13 year old daughter and he has a legal case ongoing in France still investigating the missing flight um, and he believed that he believes in the intercept theory that the US government shot the plane down but sure they'd have to they'd have to change the whole plane's direction before they shot it down yeah I mean unless they just decided that okay maybe it was shot down in the Indian Ocean okay do you know what I mean yeah but it's definitely it still would require like if we still are to believe does that theory suggest that we are to not believe the satellite pinging the location yeah who were the company who owned they'd be like it goes right to the top the Brits own the satellite company they're in on it it, yeah the Brits own it um, well, they're sorry. They're UK based. I don't know who all owns it, but interesting. Um, UK based, and so really and truly, it just feels like somebody took control of that plane and, and decided to decided. Yes, the most obvious. Going, well, Occam's Razor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, so the um, pilot. Zahari. Is, that is this the trainee Zahari? pilot or the 53-year-old? This is the 53-year-old. So the most widely accepted narrative. So basically the investigation when it wrapped up three years after the disappearance mm-hmm. declared that they did not know what happened. Okay. Which was crazy. They just okay. literally were like, we don't know. Um, well, they couldn't prove one way or the other. I guess they the couldn't. Doubt, yeah. The Malaysians did not want their pilot to be the perpetrator. Of course. Which obviously is not obviously fair. Looking um, likely and... Basically, it's still the most widely accepted narrative. And he was in command of the plane. He had a long career behind him, the expertise to execute such a maneuver. And so How he was his mental is health married. What? Yeah. Motive. Say that again? What's motive? his motive? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So basically, like, Zahari was married. He had three grown up kids. He lived in apparently a very nice gated community. He had, he owned two houses and um, he was known for being just very kind of fair minded um, like upstanding guy, not overbearing to his, the people in his command and things like that. Um, he had in his house and this really elaborate Microsoft flight simulator and he flew that frequently and often posted to online forums about his hobby. Yeah, I mean, he's a pilot. He's a pilot. That tracks. Now, troubling, um, his home flight simulator was found to have mapped a similar no. strange path. Oh, no. As the one indicated by radar oh, and satellite. Oh, come on, that's Whoa. not a coincidence. Also, pretty damning, the Malaysian authorities lied about this until a confidential report was leaked by New York Magazine in 2016. <sighs> so, why were they so intent on protecting him? Because Just because he was Malaysian. It's an international story, I guess. I and they don't want to Bad be... press for the country. Yeah, and there was been a lot yeah. of like. And Malaysian Airlines was like partly government owned. They did have public shareholders, but the majority of shares belonged to the government. Um, they, I think the Malaysian government was. Hmm. I don't want to be sh- like say going shady, but they were going through some shit. They mm. also, um, Malaysian um, Airlines lost another plane a few months later in 2014. Um, lost? So, well, no, no, no. It went down. Oh, I see. Crashed. Uh, it, so it was a bad year for them. So this pilot had simulated this path or this journey around about it, Seemingly. ending the same spot as in the middle of nowhere. I don't know exactly his simulated path, but they said that it resembled the path the plane took. And did the path have any, like, according to his wife, did the area have any, did he have any interest in the abyss in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, like, did, no, was there I mean, any signs? The only family member of his that I could, like, read on the record was a daughter who was like, this is not who my father was. Yeah. Which is fucking tragic. So the guess work is kind of all we have to go on and basically Mm. that they finally kind of have said is that they believe whoever was flying the plane probably depressurized the cabin early on and killed so that would have killed everyone aboard hours before the plane like spiral dived into the sea but not his anyone not his co-pilot who was also there in the cabin yeah i mean like yeah maybe he deprived the co-pilot of oxygen or drugged him 
I mean, they say that with the data they have, they can tell that the aircraft, like if it was being controlled at the very end, it wasn't very successfully being controlled. Um, which could be suggestive of losing pilot with hypoxia. Yes. It could be that uh, the pilot or somebody put the plane on autopilot, depressurized the cabin, killing themselves and everyone, and that the plane just flew and flew and flew until it just nosedived at unbelievable speeds into the ocean. Unbelievable. And like, just absolutely pulverized on impact. Jesus. Um, now, the thing is that up until the f- time that they found the first debris, mm-hmm. they didn't have, even with the satellite information, they still like had narrowed it down to still quite a big field. Mm. And they had basically um, put together these two possible search areas that were like these two arcs, one that was like north of the Indian Ocean, one that was like further south. Okay. And like, I mean, it's extremely complicated. I've been attempting to take it on board, but like basically... One reason or another, they were like, it's in either of these, but they're still giant. Okay. And so then when the first bit of debris um, floated up on Reunion Island in 2015, um, that kind of confirmed that it was the South Arc um, that, and Reunion Island is off Madagascar. So like we're bang in between Australia and Madagascar, somewhere there. Okay. Right there, seemingly. And, um, but like, it's mad because they still don't fully know the trajectory. They know more like the time that they had six hours of just mm. f- straight flying somewhere down here. Do you know that kind of way? Mm. But it's still so vast. And so but this is really... your dad's city triangle. You like distance, speed. <laughs> dad's city triangle. Distance, speed and whatever you get the... What's the T? Time. Ter- mm. Terminal velocity. velocity. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sciency, and so listen to this right this is really interesting what they're doing at the moment is still they're still trying to fucking figure out what are they trying exactly to figure out exactly what happened where like the it, actual path okay and where the plane went down why is that so interesting versus well, I suppose they're why? still trying to recover something for the surviving families like okay. some answers and stuff and and the thing is that like with planes that have gone down in the ocean, like there has been, like there was a French plane that went down in, I want to say about 2009. I can't remember fully the details, but I remember that the plane was found on the ocean floor. All the passengers still inside. You're kidding. No. Belted into their seats. Holy fuck. And totally preserved because of the depth so that they were at. Wow. And they started... Uh, an operation to raise the wreckage and like rest will get the bodies back for the families raise me up exactly and the change in the water's temperature as it was rising was causing almost like instantaneous decomp on the bodies so they left it it's still there it's at the bottom of the ocean jesus don't fuck with the sea don't Just oh no for sure not i mean the fact that they found that plane is insane so in a way that was like they were like look if we get the if we find the trajectory, we could potentially find this plane. We Would it give a theory, I suppose, as to what had happened? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Whether and it was I suppose you see, or is it just like a straight thing through different... And the thing is, been, like... If it felt like if it was being steered in one particular yeah. direction, was he aiming to go? So was there That's any the possible way he was forward, trying to... Yes. It's just to spinning. Mm. And it's being impacted by the winds and all that kind of stuff. That suggests that everyone was passed out, including mm, the pilot. Exactly. Mm. Or it's an intentional some mad technical fucking fuck up in which the steering completely, they lose all control of it. They're scrambling to get it back. I mean, I don't It doesn't think look that way. That anything except human power could have made that left turn I as see. it was heading over to Thailand. Did you ever that sneeze sharp while left. driving? Well, you know what true. I'm saying? But you're right. You're right. There's, that's a reason there's a code. And my pilot. dad used to do wonky arms. You know, when they're driving along, they go, woo. Yeah. In the car. <laughs> I don't know why I my dad that. thought that was okay to do, actually. I like um, a bit of wonky arm action. So also, if you think about it, the Zahari surviving family, mm. like, absolutely gobsmacked forevermore couldn't. are trying to clear their father's name. Yeah. You What's know? the explainer from them to the flight, yeah. simulator, flight simulator? Well, the 
flight simulator was leaked from the Malaysian investigation. Do they deny that? The, yeah, yeah. They de- the that. daughter, like I said, the only quote I could find was the daughter being like, this is not who my father was. In a way, and pinning imagine, it on the like, pilot from the actual plane perspective makes sense. I mean, it wasn't a technical yeah, fault. You're safe to travel. Aren't going to be like there's a yeah, there's a fault with the plane. Mm, mm. So it feels strange that they would sort of go to such great lengths. Always to protect. human error or yeah. like human judgment rather than that's how AI is going to control everything. That attitude. That's that attitude. So um, I have to tell you about the barnacles real quick. Yeah. Um, oh, on the yeah. bit on the bit that they found yeah. by the island. Yeah. So basically, they have seen. Barnacles growing on different bits, particularly this bit flapper on. And um, so, you know, when I was saying they washed up uh, close to Madagascar. Yeah. And so they have these barnacles on them called the begins with the hitchhikers of the sea lepus. So they're called the hitchhikers of the sea and the lepus barnacle. They actually look space age. Check them out. Cement themselves. Um, at the base of their stalk. Oh, yes. And then they secrete one of nature's most powerful adhesives. Wow. And then they use calcium carbonate and other minerals from that they glean out of the surrounding seawater to build their shells layer by layer by layer as they grow. And the so shells, we have a sense of time and age. And depending on the kind of um, chemical markers in all the different layers of shells they, they can were. tell things like temperature oxygen ratios conditions in the water at the exact time that that layer uh, of shell was grown f- isn't nature isn't beautiful? it amazing and so is it tracking like do, so basically they, they say imagine the shell like a thick book and the animal has added one page after another as it grows so basically each individual page each thin calcite layer Give scientists a diary of the seawater through which the barnacle and therefore the piece of debris has journeyed as it built its shell. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. Yeah. So like they are still working on the research into that. And do you know, Lepas expert Anne-Marie Power at the University of Galway, Ireland. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. No one on board, but we're in in the end for the recovery. She has signed up to raise live um, thingies, these little barnacles, in an aquaria to establish shell chemistry for all different temperatures. And so as she is gathering this data, it will eventually help the team to create a kind of an equation that... Will lead we'll, them to the wreckage yes, site. I, just, I love scientists. Isn't that Do you think crazy? Definitely. I'm going to look her up on Instagram. So I said earlier it was 160 million search. It's actually 200 million uh, spent on the search at this point uh, in time. I mean, good. And loads of that money was stumped up by Australia. What? Just being real nice. Just being like, oh, it's kind of near us. We'll, we'll help. But they're also we'll getting... Out. There's a load of benefits there. They have new maps of the area. Well, that's New true. wreckages. That's New true. learnings. Yeah. Potential volcanoes to claim as your own. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's very true. Now, someone must know Anne-Marie Power and I really want her to come on and explain that. Get, stuff. If anyone knows, get in touch. The barnacle babe of the West. Um, <laughs> do you ever want to get on a plane again? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Even now that you know about suicide, Here she is. murder, suicide by pilot. Oh my God, she's a turbo ride. Oh, cool. Senior lecturer, Department of Zoology. She's there, lad. She's in NUI Galway. If you're... Hang on a sec. There she is. Oh no, that's... She's full slam. They're both rides, but there's there's very many Amory parents. Don't say that. They're all... Don't they all have lovely bottoms? (laughs) Let's stick with that. Oh my God, she's got a Twitter account. At... Barnacle Hunt. Ooh. And her Twitter handle is the Lapis Barnacle as her image. Follow. <laughs> um, so interesting. Get an influx of followers now. Um, that is fascinating. Do you want to get on a plane again? Yeah, I do. I mean, these things are always the exception, aren't they? Not the real. See, I started um, researching this the night before I was getting a transatlantic flight to Boston. Mm. And um, I can say that was a bad call. Um, even though I realized halfway through the story research that I shouldn't be doing that, I stopped the next morning getting on the plane. I still had a hysterical 
panic that I was going to obviously go down with the plane. And so I recorded three separate goodbye messages, one for each of my children. And then in Dublin Which Airport. Which did you give more of them to? Oh, more I was time. very careful to <laughs> say practically the same thing to okay, each of them so they couldn't compare and contrast um, and never identify who my favorite is. So obviously I have one. Um, and I was in Dublin Airport and like the files were so big, I couldn't fucking send them. I was trying to download WeTransfer. To my, it was a panic. It was a panic. And then I ended up uploading them to YouTube um, under unlisted. Um, okay, well, so we're just going to delete them now. No, no, because now I'm like, actually, that's just real handy. Yeah, that's there now. Done. So I have so the you... unlisted YouTube videos that I'm just ready to crack out anytime I die. You'll have to give us your password because we need to share them or send us the links in an email because I'm my absolute pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Cass. I'm just I would so do thrilled. That for you. I won't so, listen to them. I'll just keep them safe there in my in my inbox. I think we have a chance of getting Doctor Anne Marie Power. I'll email her now. Uh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? She, and she can come on and refute all of the facts, quote unquote facts that I thought I was gathering and relating properly. Is there any chance those barnacles, the lapis ones, are also called goose barnacles? No idea. Again, not the person to ask absolutely terrifying this whole murder suicide by pilot subgenre of terrifying oh yes i bet i would imagine like so. this is going power. to happen Just one bad to day one of us definitely do you think like well, here's think one we'll all go out in very normal right listen so. to this north atlantic ocean in 1999 this could happen to any of us what happened to him well, not you you're too young um a plane flying from new york to egypt um they had a flight crew, captain, co-pilot, another co-pilot. The plane was crossing the ocean when the co-pilot left the cockpit, followed later by the captain. So then the last co-pilot was left alone in the cockpit, Do disengaged what? the autopilot <gasps> and nose down inputs oh. were recorded on the flight deck recorder and then the plane just rapidly descended after its engines were shut down and the captain returned to the cockpit and tried to take back control of the plane repeatedly asking the co-pilot for help but he continued to command the elevator to pitch nose down the airplane eventually collided with the surface of the ocean <gasps> annihilating everyone on board that's why you no. shouldn't play monopoly like 270 what? people died i know i said there was a row there in the cockpit oh a monopoly row and it's all toys out of the pram then it can get very men heated men are too emotional men are too they're emotional, too emotional yes you're right they can't be working together like you're that you're so right they're just so they're trigger hormones. happy and hormonal yeah. yeah and that's the learning we have for thank you Sophie I'm absolutely bet into this now I hope that I've done it justice because it's such a massive I fucking story I believe you have thank you and thank, thank you, you dear listener dear listener Come over, check us out in the Patreon. Do it. We're episode. fucking bopping over there. Patreon just did a massive um, catfish murder. Absolutely, oh, that story was incredible. whirlwind of a story. Worth your little bucks a month, but we've greatly appreciated. Um, check us out on Patreon forward slash the Creep Dive. Love to you and your family. Bye Ooh, bye. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.